Hi, US fans. Ty here. Before we start the show, we have a special announcement to make. With the World Cup has brought increased visibility to our show, and we've decided that we want to take advantage of that visibility and support a good cause. And so we have partnered with our friend Amobi Okugo, who's been on the show before, a professional soccer player with the Austin Bold, formerly in MLS and the youth national teams, an absolute legend and a wonderful guy. And he runs the OKU Go Foundation. And the foundation runs soccer camps and mentorship programs and financial literacy workshops for kids in the Sacramento area. And they are trying to start an after-school program this spring to help kids from underserved communities get access to uh, excellent soccer coaching, absolutely free of charge, and to learn about life and get mentorship and, and training in, in the uh, the rest of life while learning through soccer. So we can't imagine a cause we'd rather support, and we hope that you will join us. If you would like to help, please go to wtppod.com slash fundraiser or go to okugofoundation.org and click to donate. And my company, Cantilever, has agreed to match all donations during the group stage through December 2nd match all of those donations from WTP Nation out there up to $1,000. So please uh, help the foundation take advantage of that matching grant during the group stage by going right now to WTP pod slash fundraiser. On with the show. Well, uh, hello folks. And welcome mm-hmm. to We the Peeps. This is the American Soccer Podcast in which you are going to get to know everything that you need to know about the USMNT. I am Clayton, and I'm an artist. I'm Ty. I'm tired. I'm real tired. We love the Nats just like you do. It's We the Peeps. We the Peeps. Welcome to We the Peeps. Are you ready for We the Peeps? Holy moly, it's We the Peeps. Folks, the game was USA, USMNT in the actual World Cup versus Wales. Game one of the group stage for the USMNT. And folks, it was a bit of a roller coaster or perhaps just one of those rides where you go up the elevator <laughs> and then back down uh there was it, an up drop of terror one of those <laughs> it was a yeah. bit of a drop of terror this one y'all let's get right into it start the only Woo! way we know how to line them up boys and that is by lining them up boys and I'm going to give two gloves to Matt Turner because he's our only number one number one number two as number three goalkeeper Matt Turner in the back line. We're going to oh, have God. Serginho Dest, Walker oh, Zimmerman, Tim Ream, and Anthony Jedi Robinson in the midfield. Can You're I get it? Hope. You are our only hope, Robinson. In the midfield, can I get it, please? Founding father, Tyler Adams. Weston, the best is yet to come. Manifest Westony, Weston McKenney, and you know him. Eunice love him. Eunice Musa came to play. In the front three, we're going to have surprise, surprise. 
Tim Weah gets the start here, and then perhaps also minor surprise, surprise. We have Josh Sargent getting the start here, and finally, the porcelain prince Christian Pulisic. Folks, this game would start within the first five minutes. Every single USMNT uh, player on the field would get a nice clean touch. Fantastic. Couldn't like that. ask for anything more. And then from the first 10 minutes, we'd get no goals. Again, could not ask for anything more. I will note <laughs> that by the fourth minute, Pulisic had had two not-so-great free kicks, perhaps a sign of things to come. Uh, Six-minute WTP highlight, Weston McKenney blows a kiss to the sideline referee after disagreeing on a call. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Weston. Ty aptly says... Keeping it light. Never change, buddy. Never change. Never change. Buddy. Beautiful. He's the same in a friendly against Bolivia as as he is in the World Cup. Same guy. Same thing. Same Weston. Different same hair. Weston, by the way, showing up with the red, white, and blue bleached into his hair. Fantastic. Baller. Eighth minute. Beautiful. Through the air. And then one touch from Weya. Early cross in. Comes off of the... Uh, the Wales defender for an almost own goal, just about own goal. Ball recycles and comes back in, and Josh Sargent off the head, just on the outside of the post. So close. So close. So close. And yet, no luck in the 12th minute. Serginio Dest and Weston McKenney, this may become more important over time. Both get yellows in quick succession. The U.S. sending all 11 men back on defending set pieces, and they survived out of the, these free kicks here. Um, by the 18th minute, the U.S. had started to feel somewhat aggrieved uh, by the referee. A few calls not going, uh, a few calls going, and starting to feel like uh, a little bit on the losing side of, of the referee's um, opinions. Uh, in, by the 22nd, so the U.S. throughout those first 22 minutes, very strong. Very strong. Uh, managed not to get scored on, and then managed to find the game, and was probing. We were pat. We were Pep Guardioli. We were. We, we were. It was Burhalter ball for the first time in eleven years of Burhalter being the head coach. We had Burhalter ball in this first half. Twenty eighth minute, Musa does a Musa moment, cutting through a bunch, feeds Des for a long shot. Not great on the shot, but great moment for Musa. Thirty fifth minute, we would get our breakthrough oh oh my goodness sergeant with the hold-up play which was very very much uh, advocated for <laughs> by broadcasters all around the world more importantly more importantly Pulisic gets on the end of this one gets ahead of it we've got a two-on-two two. who do you want in a two-on-two two with 20 yards of space but Pulisic and Tim Weah. Pulisic takes a couple touches, gets himself dynamic some space. Duo. The dynamic duo. <laughs> future leaders of the free world. Or perhaps one of them is. The other one might just go fishing with Clint Dempsey after soccer. I don't know what Pulisic's got on his mind. We shall see. The point is, beautifully weighted pass to Weah, who just, just kind of holograms his body around to the other side of the ball. Oh, Beautiful take on oh. the outside of the right. Oh. We are one up. USA, Spicy the nation, ball. the nation is in rapture. We are starting to believe. The U.S. has done nothing but dominate to this point, and then after the goal, continues, continues to dominate. 
quick WTP highlight for uh, Bale doing the funny Peloton hiding thing behind a teammate on all corners, not just one, <laughs> every single time. Very arrow. Uh, very unconvincing defense from the U.S. on corners in general. And uh, by the end of the first half, I have notes of the U.S. letting Wales back into this game uh, a little bit. Looked like Wesson may have picked up a groin injury at some point in there. Not sure. Half time. Half time. We come back from half. Breathe. No. Take a breath. The U.S. is, at this moment in time, the greatest soccer team in the world. Beautiful first half. Perhaps one of the best halves of soccer I've seen from this generation played. Second half starts, Wea comes out with some swag, doing some silly leg wags. Unfortunately, not a sign of things to come. 49th minute, Bale is doing the Peloton thing. Matt Turner barely getting this corner out. I have a uh, Turnerverse question mark. We weren't sure at that point if we had entered the Turnerverse, but we were... Not sure, but we were, we were to enter. Positive, later. <laughs> we were to enter... 51st terrifying uh, header from, from Ream moment. Yeesh. Uh, Kiefer Moore, by the way, came in at halftime. Completely changed the dynamic Beast. of this one. Completely changed the dynamic. Uh, within that first 15 minutes of the second half, we had a couple scary Dest defending moments. Nobody likes those. And by, by the 64th, Wales is all the way on the front foot. The U.S. has officially let Wales back into this game. In the 64th, though, as promised, Ben Davies... Gets a corner off a recycled situation. And indeed, we enter the Turnerverse! Turner, great save, decent save, average save. Enter the Turnerverse. This winter. This winter, in Qatar, we have officially entered the Turnerverse. And then Kiefer Morris skies one. Man, really should have put that away. In the 65th, Aronson comes in for, I'm guessing, a slightly injured Weston. There were a couple great Aronson versus Bale duels right away. Fantastic. By the 69th, perhaps the U.S. starting to work their way back into this game. There was this weird long period of time where Yedlin, Haji Wright, and Acosta stood on the sideline but did not get subbed in. A number of U.S. players starting to go down with Knox. Couldn't really tell what was real and what wasn't. As, is, as Americans are used to feeling at this point on the internet, Pulisic goes down with an with injury. We're so divided, you know? <laughs> and then finally... It's just misinformation. <laughs> and then finally, DeAndre Yedlin comes in for Serginio Dest. Haji Wright comes in for Josh Sargent. Kellen Acosta comes in for uh, apparently crap, cramping Eunice Musa. I did not notice that in live time, but... Were Eunice Musa cramping, this is a sub that makes sense. Otherwise, what the hell is going on? Wright had a few nice early touches. Aronson missed a couple chances. 79th minute, folks. Walker Zimmerman. My guy. Guy. Dog. Bruh. The party's going well. Everyone took just the right amount of Molly. Be what cool, are you Walker. Doing? What are you doing, dog? Walker Zimmerman slides both legs, all studs up into gareth bale on what has the to porcelain be king the porcelain king <laughs> gareth bale <laughs> so true so true what has to be the uh, least threatening position uh, you can imagine with gareth bale on the ball least the threatening most visible foul you could you could make zimmerman gives it up and bale of course puts the penalty kick away 
Shouts to Matt Turner for getting hands on this bad boy and then getting hands on his own head. Even before the U.S. realized what had happened at home, Matt Turner knew that he had a chance to save this. And he did not. Shouts to Bale for taking a good hard penalty kick. Excellent, PK. We are tied at 1-1. In the 87th minute, folks. Tim Weah comes out for... Not Gio Reyna, but instead Jordan Morris. At this point, striking fear in the heart of the whales. <laughs> one can only hope that, for the for the sake of sanity, that Gio Reyna's got some kind of injury. Good because God. if Jordan Morris is the actual <laughs> choice in this moment, Haji Wright and Jordan Morris come on before Gio. I am going to poopy my panties. <laughs> Morris is on the field. Ninety second minute. Everyone cramping. Uh, I'm cramping. Ethan, I'm cramping I'm at in home. The, I'm in the fucking kitchen. Ethan Ampadu throws up on the field. Did he throw up? He threw up on the Damn. field. Damn, Didn't bro. come out. Continued Damn. to play. You know, at that point, U.S. fans were, were, were cheering at a ghost. It felt like a draw, if I'm being totally honest with myself. And it was. This game would end 1-1. Ty, we are fresh off the watch. What are your first impressions? This young, inexperienced U.S. team has what it takes to make a real run in this tournament. They have everything that they need to make a real run in this tournament. Young teams are always inconsistent. They always need time to settle in and get used to a tournament. This was no exception, but what we saw, it reminded me of the 2002 team. And in the the 2002 World Cup, that young U.S. team took the game to Portugal early. In the second half, they showed their inexperience. They let Portugal get back in the game. They could have come away from that game with a draw. They ended up with a win. But the way that those two teams looked is very similar. So I have... Full faith and confidence the U.S. is going to find a way to get through this group. There's everything to play for. It's tight, but I think the U.S. is going to get through, and I think the U.S. has every shot to make some make some moves here in Qatar. Well, what we're looking at, folks, is England has defeated Iran 6-2 to two this morning, placing them squarely in the first place spot in this group. And then we've got... USA Wales tying against each other, canceling each other out. So what is this going to come down to? Uh, it's it, it's looking like basically who loses by the least to Wales and who can beat Iran by the most. Who loses by the least? Uh, to pardon England. me, to yeah. England. Who between Wales and and the U.S. will lose by the least to England and the most to Iran? Yeah, those are the two most likely results for each team, but that's a lot of most likely. So I think it, it's more likely than that that there will be some surprise in that in that process. And what we saw from this U.S. team in that first half, they can go toe-to-toe with England. They can take a point from England. They can beat England on the right day. So I, I feel like there's absolutely everything to play for, and the U.S. should just keep trying to build on that first-half performance and uh, avoid the Greg Weirdsies that I think kind of helped us uh, let the game slip away in the second half. I really, 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 really hope there's a good reason why Gio didn't come into this game, because otherwise this team is officially in the hands of a madman. Uh, so, yeah, for the obvious one is, as Wales is very evidently ascending 
in the second half. 52nd, 53rd minute. We are yelling out for subs. Yelling out. Tweeting out. Anything. We just have to change the game in that moment. You can tell that the momentum is going towards Wales. And obviously they didn't find the goal in that moment. But the pattern that that period of the game established meant that it was harder for the U.S. to find that second goal. And I, I think if the U.S. had made a decisive change earlier in the second half, we would have had a much better chance of coming away with a win. I think Weston should have come out for Aronson at halftime. If there was a knock there, Aronson had this game on lock. This was Aronson this was great. Was he, was, he was absolutely perfect for the intensity of the match, and he can go 100% for 45 minutes. So, yeah, I feel like that was a big miss. And it, it's, you know, I've, I'll full credit to Greg. I think he got the starting lineup uh, very close to perfect. Um, I think, you know, obviously Wea getting the goal kind of vindicates that selection. So I feel like you can't fault him too much for the way that the starting lineup turned out. But uh, clearly, clearly the U.S. needed more changes faster. And, you know, just doing the Aronson, even even that first sub, just going for Aronson, I feel like was a mistake. Because even at that point, it was clear that switching Yedlin in for Dest would have been a good move. Yep. Um, and so I feel like Greg missed opportunities to really shift the dynamic of the game and take advantage of the five subs that he has at his disposal and the deep bench that he has uh, in the U.S. squad. And I think it's a shame because I, this game easily, easily could have been a U.S. win. And it's a it's a bitter pill to swallow that we didn't come away with three points. It's so hard. And when you look at the faces on these young U.S. players in the interviews, they and know just walking it. Around they know the field, it. They know how close they were. I use the word crestfallen uh, to describe to describe Tim Weah as he uh, fielded those questions. And and it's tough, man. You feel for these players, but. There, there's something about the youth of the group that they're really wearing their heart on their sleeve in a way that I don't think other teams and even U.S. teams in the past have done. You can just see these guys like like suffering the, the life experience that they're going through right yes, now. Yes, yes. And I think what this game felt like to me was the first real World Cup game that we've seen in this tournament. We saw... Uh, the, the England match with some kind of dubious, maybe England supporters, maybe paid actors. We'll, we'll never be able <laughs> we're, to prove we're that. Just speculating. Let's just speculating. Yeah, yeah, we so saw the, the Netherlands match. The, the Netherlands go up late against Senegal, but the match having no none of the intensity that this U.S.-Wales game had from the beginning. Yep. Um, people leaving the stadium the early. They, they we saw, the yeah, in the Qatar game, people leaving early with... The, the sound was nothing like this game. This yeah. game was boiling from minute one. You could Thanks. hear the Wales spectators competing with the U.S. Yes, spectators yes, yes. for loudest yes, song. Yes. And a few times the U.S. spectators came out on top. And I tell you what, that's a real victory for me. Yeah, I, I thought the American Outlaws showed up. We found out yet again, as was the case in the uh, 2014 World Cup, the U.S., had the most ticket sales of any country outside of the host country. And, you know, that's obviously partially to do with the fact that we have a lot of expats here who then go to travel to see their native country. But it's also that we have a very, very strong traveling fan base that can, you know, in a stadium that has 40,000 capacity, we probably had 25,000 of the fans who were in that stadium. 
and uh, that that counts for a lot. As Stu said at some point in the broadcast, it felt like a home game. That's what it sounded like to me, and I think that uh, level of support is going to be huge for the U.S. going into these last two games. It's going to be enormous. Let's say hypothetically that there are individuals being hired and accepting the position <laughs> to support to be England fans to be yeah. to support teams other than Qatar to make this feel more like an event. I would also say, in that hypothetical possibility, if that were the case, that it is likely that the U.S. Uh, would not get the same support, the same professional support. Seems likely. So, so we're talking about twenty-five, you know, whatever percentage of the stadium, most uh, most of the fans in the stadium, and real fans also. Uh, by the way, Ty, this first half. One of my favorite first halves Donald I've ever Wine seen. Donald Wine and company. I, Donald Wine shouts to the to the base guy. This first half, they're Go. saying the same things about Donald Wine that they're Go. saying about Messi. It's his, it might be his last chance to win a World Cup at the Outlaws. Um, I'm just kidding, Donald. You got years to go. Uh, the first half of this match was one of my favorite I've ever seen from, from the U.S. And Ty, what do you think it was about their play in the first half that made them so dominant? What I was surprised by is that they just seemed ready for the moment. They were controlled. They used tempo really effectively. They found moments to slow down the match and maintain possession and recycle the ball and tried to destabilize Wales. And then at that moment when they felt that Wales uh, was losing their shape, then that's when they chose to strike. So I thought it seemed like a really mature performance. And I think to give this, uh, the, the old part of this team some credit, I think Zimmerman and Ream had a big role to play in that because they were the players often who were you know, in the back during those sequences where we were kind of swinging the ball around who were able to dictate when we were going to make uh, certain, certain moves and which direction we were going to go. So I think the experience of those two guys showed through. Obviously no World Cup experience, but players with tons and tons of professional experience who, who can set the tone for a young group like this. Um, the other thing that surprised me a little bit about the first half is that the U.S. was not really able to play much through the midfield. We didn't see Musa get on the ball for a little while. We saw Weston being fairly quiet. Eventually, Weston kind of drifting out to the right-hand side. Um, I think Berhalter recognized that our three in the middle were overwhelmed by uh, Wales packing that, that part of the field to kind of try to neutralize the strength of the U.S. midfield, and I thought the U.S. reacted really well by being dynamic in their shape. You saw Des showing up in weird positions. You saw Antony Robinson showing up in very aggressive positions, and I think the U.S. did a good job of just being fluid and kind of taking what Wales gave them, and it led to a lot of possession and a, a couple of very good chances. Another nice decision from Wales was to man-mark Adams on the build-up, which sounds obvious to U.S. fans, but from the international perspective, I actually think that's a nice pick that, that, that they that they kind of identified that as uh, a way to jam us up. And I identified our, our, the, our center of midfield as our strength, right? When you have our biggest star, Christian Pulisic, out yes, wide, yes. I think you Wales' analysis team deserves some considerable credit for, for, actu sure, for, for identifying sure. the actual heart of our team. But as Ty's mentioning, we found a way around. And... 
what was that way around? I guess it turned out to be Weya and Polisic on the outsides. Yeah, it was using the wings really effectively. And then I thought Dest and Robinson both had a very good first half and showed why they're so special. Um, and I think that's, you know, naturally what the U.S. is going to have to do in those situations. But it's a risk from Wales because obviously Destin and Robinson are quite talented players. So if you're going to let them have the ball and let them run at you, they can eventually hurt you. And, you know, the U.S. was uh, an inch away from that coming to pass with the, the sergeant chance that came from Wea uh, bursting down the right-hand side in the first half. Tim Ream, Tim Clean. Clean. 90 Clean minutes. Clean AF. Clean as fuck. Grown-ass man so beautiful. There. It was beautiful to see. So Tim Ream get, deserves a lot of credit for the point that we did take home. Uh, Ty, who else are your special mentions uh, for getting us... Out into the group stage with a decent start. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to start with Wea. Uh, very, very special. I think the the one critique that I had had of him uh, over the course of the last five years as we've watched him mature is that his finishing hasn't been clean. We've seen him in that kind of spot time and time again. And what really impressed me about that chance is that I think the natural thing to do would have been to let it drift and try to take it with his left foot but he took it with the outside of his right foot, which gave him the perfect angle to slip the ball between the onrushing defender and the goalkeeper. And I, I think if he lets that ball drift another split second to get to his left foot, the chance is a lot worse. So full credit to him for a really impressive, quick thinking to get that ball uh, into the you know few inches of space that he had to, to squeeze it through and find the breakthrough for the U.S. Absolutely, and I think Polisic deserves a lot of it, uh, a lot of uh, credit here as well. I think Polisic gets a little messy sometimes, where you know he has he gets the assist, he has a pretty good game, and maybe not going to get a ton of mentions because it's Polisic. But what I think we will consistently underestimate as U.S. fans who are used to watching this player is how shredded he is getting by fouls for ninety minutes, and for him to find a way out of that to avoid injury, and to get the assist in the crucial moment deserves a ton of credit. So. Yeah, yeah. If, if all he does is occupy the attention of the opponent so that our you know less talented but still very dangerous players can have a bigger impact, then that's a victory. I don't think he has to be the guy who you know scores every important goal for the U.S., and I think it's actually better for the U.S. if they can avoid that uh, because the, the U.S. does have so many weapons on offense, you know, so many that we can't even get them all on the field at once. So it's, it's credit to the U.S. that I felt at no point during this match that they were hoping that Pulisic would be the, the savior or that, right. the, the, that plan A was to get the ball to Pulisic. It Super felt like he was, he was just a part of the attacking approach and not the focus of the attacking approach, uh, which also, to give Wales some credit, I feel like they did that with uh, Ramsey and Bale. I didn't feel like they were over-reliant on Ramsey and Bale. They played uh, in a variety of, of manners in the attack, um, and you mentioned Kiefer Moore coming in, who really changed the dynamic of that attack. And I think they did a very good job of recognizing the reasons why they were not being successful in that first half and rectifying them, uh, namely that they just weren't able to create direct threats um, up front, and that left the U.S. able to continually control, uh, control the game and not have to worry about that threat in behind. Wales found their way into this one with the Kiefer Moore introduction in the second half. And although it hurts, although it smarts U.S. fans out there for to walk out of here with a draw, Wea, I 
I feel you. It's tough. I know. I get it. The reality is we could have lost this game very, very easily. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think another special mention has got to go to Tyler Adams for keeping us in this one uh, during the second 45. Yeah, Tyler had so many critical interventions, which we're used to seeing, but it's still, you know, it's worth mentioning. It's notable. Uh, his impact on games is absolutely massive. He's one of those guys who just are so frustrated to play against because it always feels like he's just there a split second before um, your attacking player can, can get there. Uh, so, you know, Tyler, certainly one of the most important U.S. players, if not the most important. He had a great game, and when he does well, uh, the U.S. team does tends to do well. All right, Ty. Take a deep breath. We, uh, I mean, we're... yeah, can we just, I mean, let's just discuss how emotional and intense that experience It's was. unbelievable I mean, to get to game time. To so get the, to game, the amount of hype. eight and a half years. I, I told my, I had to go, uh, um, I was dropping my daughter off at school today, and I was telling her that the last time the U.S. played a World Cup match, she wasn't born. She wasn't born. And she's like a full-blown human being who's coming into my, my uh, studio <laughs> right now. Um, and for the, the idea that it was so long ago that this, this human being who I'm so used to being in my life wasn't even it. In existence was but a twinkle. In was but a twinkle. I mean, it's stunning. It's stunning to think about um, how long since you and me got to just crack a beer <laughs> on a World Cup game day. It's just, <sighs> it's too much. And I, I, I mean, I, I've had a lot of emotional experiences during World Cup matches, and this was just right up there. The the moment when I saw Tim Weah bulge the old onion bag. With that outside of the foot, sick ass it. finish, repping Brooklyn, repping Brooklyn, screaming New York Brooklyn. City, screaming Brooklyn, on the world, on the world stage, uh, it's, it's amazing. It's just so special. It's so special to watch this young squad that we we have, you know, come to enjoy. That we as a podcast, we've been able to kind of interact with a little bit. That we've been able yep. to see up close and personal yeah um to to talk with on occasion in you know random little moments and to be able to see this generation take flight and take it to a really good team like wales throughout that first half i felt just incredibly proud to be an american to be uh, a part of this kind of trajectory and journey with this team and um you know, I also felt crestfallen in that second half. I felt uh, the the disappointment of feeling like we could have gone through today. We could have kind of gone through, and we didn't. And that it really sucks. But like I said, I have full confidence that this team is going to find a way to get through. And I think that while the Wales team was strong, noble, and capable, I just don't think they have the, the juice that the U.S team has to take the game to England and to really put a number up on Iran. We shall see. Ty, I want to take a step back because this is the first time we're potting since the World Cup began at all. And Damn, there's bro. been a few uh, interesting things worth mentioning. So uh, first, from a WTP perspective, having Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey at the desk together mediated by Kate Abdo is both hilarious and legendary. There are 
many moments of tension goat alert. the two of them. It's a goat <laughs> alert. The fact that they're tied for most U.S. goals ever was how Kate Abdo teed it up. Yes. Fantastic yes, yes, way yes, to start yes, the discussion. Yes. And then the two of them, I think Landon's kind of nice copping Deuce right now and trying to be cool to him, and I think Deuce is not feeling it. <laughs> uh, but watching that play out. And then lastly, they get together... Uh, for with Alexi Lawless and Carly Lloyd to discuss U.S. D- this history. team in U.S. U.S. history, history. Yeah. and seeing seeing Alexi Lawless attempt on multiple occasions <laughs> in a five minute segment to place his career on the same level as Carly, Carly Lloyd, Lloyd. Landon Donovan, <laughs> and Clint Dempsey is fucking Hilarious. phenomenal, Hilarious. amazing he's stuff. Like, he's like. We've all starred in a World Cup. It's like, <laughs> We've all at some point been the face of the U.S. national. Alexi Lalas, you played in a you played in a World Cup. You were, that you definitely played in. You one. for sure played in that, and you were very noticeable because of your hair. You were noted. So you, you were seen and noted. Observed you play in it. You did not star in a World Cup. Not and, quite and, the same. And if someone else says that about you, fine. If you say that about yourself. <laughs> You're a douchebag. <laughs> and we know Alexi Lawless is a douchebag. Carly. Well, yeah, who knows? Who knows? I mean, I have my own beefs with Alexi. So he's <laughs> apparently perfectly a, a, a good guy. But he, he's a listener. We, we know um, that. We know he's a fans. listener because he takes all my fucking ideas. <laughs> but thank you for proving that they're good ideas. And also shouts to Carly Lloyd for being head and shoulders above anyone else on that set in terms of career. Yeah. And uh, handling that. Very graceful. Uh, World Cup final hat trick. <laughs> World Cup final hat trick. So different. Yes. Really not boy, the same, Alexi. Way different. <laughs> really not the same. We've all, right. all starred in a World Cup. Here. Okay. Okay. I get it, guys. Um, another important contextual thing here, perhaps even more important than the silly broadcaster stuff, is the fact that indeed, this World Cup feels weird. It feels weird already. The Morgan Freeman, uh, you know, opener. Oh boy, feels weird. Very weird. There are officially. Do as, you need more money, as, Morgan? Dude, as ad, uh, so as advertised, there appears to be some empty seats in this World Cup, which is mind-boggling to me. That that every single one of these games wouldn't be sold out to the brim is hard for me to accept. Um, I don't know. Was that the case in previous World Cups? Are there empty seats at the beginning? So in South Africa, there were, and there there were different you know theories about why that was the case. Um, I don't remember many in you know in Russia, in Brazil, in Germany, uh, certainly in 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 France, Italy. So in the past, so I I I think it's a rarity. Uh, I think things have to go pretty wrong for you to not sell a World Cup match out when, you know, there's so much buildup and so much anticipation around it. So it's disappointing. I mean, but but that's what we anticipated. We anticipated that this World Cup was, it, it's it's being held for the wrong reasons in the wrong place that does not have the, you know, depth of soccer culture and love that other and, places that have hosted the World Cup have had. And to highlight that, we have Qatar opening up the World Cup with an unfortunate loss, who, by the way, Qatar is is, is a solid team. It, I really, my heart... 
goes out to the, the the pressure on these players all the way from Aspire Academy who essentially have 90 minutes uh, to prove that their entire lives uh, were, better, were worth yeah. the investment. Yes, yes. And unfortunately failed to do so. I really, they're a better team than they showed on that day. If yes. anyone is listening to this who doesn't know that, they, Qatar is a solid team. So disappointing that the moment got the better of them. Even more disappointing, the most disappointing, ten times more disappointing, that the Qatar fans left at halftime when That's Qatar bullshit. was only 2-0 in the most important game in their history. Yeah, and you wait 12 years for the match... And then you can't just sit there for 45 minutes because you're worried about what? Worried about what? Traffic. Come on. Fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. And also, 2 nothing in a soccer game, to your point of like, that's what started to give me the feeling that I'm not sure if there are soccer fans in the stands. That that's just not, even at like an MLS game, regular season, no one's leaving at halftime at 2-0. 3-0 is when you start to make that decision. That's, I feel like, standard knowledge. Fan knowledge. <laughs> I never leave anything early. So, I, I, and I've never understood it because you're you're there to watch your team and I don't really care if my team's losing or not. I just, I want to see just my cheer. team. So, you know, I yeah, I feel like there's just something missing about the whole scenario. It's like the fire Festival type of vibes with these like fan tents that are just, you know, random, um camps in the middle of nothing that barely have any infrastructure or support etc uh all the way to the um beerless <laughs> stadia to the to the fan fests that are that are apparently uh total mayhem where there when there is beer it's, it's a bizarre it's experience bizarre. it's bizarre and it, it's it's also this like strange feeling for us being you know in the u.s and the rest of the world watching this of that we don't know what to believe you know that there's there's so much conflicting kind of information out there and what the uh, authorities want you to think and it's just it, it leaves me uneasy but i will say that during this 90 minutes i i didn't think about that once it was a, a proper World Cup match Shouts. with proper fans in a good stadium yep. on a good field with good perfect weather for uh, a soccer match and the 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 vibe was absolutely right when it came to that ninety minutes. It's just yep. this this weird thing when it we've seen some of these other matches where it just doesn't feel real, you know. So once again, shout out to the U.S. and Wales for making this uh, feel like a World Cup. We, we are so grateful for that. What else is there to say about this game? Our next episode, folks, we'll be um, doing a little bit of a preview uh, for uh, USA-England, which occurs on Friday, which has just become all the much more important uh, based on this result. Absolutely. So we'll have plenty of time to kind of go into that. Yeah. Um, but what else is there to say on this game? I'm going to have to reflect and... And think about this one and maybe watch it again. I feel like I saw like 20% of the game because I was just freaking out the entire time. I mean, I literally missed some parts of the game where I was, you know, looking at the wall or holding my head in my hands or lying on the ground or whatever. Um, and uh, I just remember the feelings, going through, going through the feelings. And 
So it's it's going to be interesting to analyze and think about what the U.S. can actually improve going into that England game. Um, but like I said, I, I feel like the team is right there. I think that, that when this when this team plays at its best, it can be among the best in the world. I agree with that. And I think that that's what we get from this first half of soccer. And that's a lot, folks. That's a lot. I think in the past, we've had this feeling of we scraped by by the skin of our jibs. By the jibs, <laughs> by the of, jibs our skins, of our skin on our collars, on our chinny-chin hairs. And um, this U.S. team, is a, it's a different package. It's a different bill of goods. Uh, this, the, in this case, Wales was the smash and grab. Wales was the smash and grab. found a way against a superior opponent. And, you know, we're not used to saying that with the U.S. team in a, in a World Cup. So I think, uh, you know, the, it'll be interesting to see the U.S. team kind of end up in some of those spots where they kind of have to um, punch above their weight. You know, watching them against England is going to be an absolute treat. But I think if they come out with against England with the full confidence that they can take the game to England, I think it will really serve them well. And there's no reason to think based on that performance that they can't. I think there are a couple standout personnel questions for me from this first 90. One is, to me, Dest is not a guaranteed starter on this USMNT squad based on what I saw today. He's providing a lot, but if Yedlin were to get the start against England to shore up the defense, I'd be 100% fine with Wouldn't that. hate it. And to have Dest come in as a weapon uh, later on in the game makes a lot of sense to me. The other major personnel question is, what is going on with Reyna? Can we get some tweets? Can I get some explanation? Yo. Can I get something to tell me why I did not see Gio Reyna in this game? I saw him getting up quickly from a chair to argue about a call, <laughs> so it seems fine to me. I suspect we're going to find out in the press conference and in the, the little bits that come out from uh, after this match on social. I'm guessing some sort of light injury it's gotta be um it has to it be it has to be because otherwise like you said i mean we're living we're living in a crazy universe or short <laughs> morris gets all. i i you know going into this uh in, in we're gonna preview, see roldan in this tournament roldan is gonna play minutes in, in one of the tournament. preview uh episodes for the world cup we were talking about how haji Wright is like completely irrelevant and he's like one of the first guys off the bench in the world cup and <laughs> And we, we thought that Jesus Ferreira would be Surely. Greg's pookie baby and would Surely. start the the Wales game, but uh, but no. Sergeant first and then Haji Wright second. It's unbelievable. Really makes much... you wonder about Jordan Sibachu. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was about to say, how much more confident would you be in that kind of spot? Someone like Jordan Sibachu coming in who has scored big goals in big moments for the U.S. I mean, it's like, to me, it's an open and shut case that Sibichu should be here ahead of Haji Wright. I love the story. I love the vibe, but I just, I, I love the margaritas, love those margaritas, but this is just, it's just the wrong call. I sure hope Haji Wright pulls out some insane, you know, last minute winner to prove me wrong. But, um, so far we, we did, we barely saw anything from him that would indicate that he was the right choice for this tournament. Folks, the sky's the limit for this USMNT. We believe, we are beginning to believe, we have always believed, and the best is yet to come. I guarantee it. No, I can't guarantee it, but I really hope so. We really, I really, really, really hope, so. hope so. I love it. 
We're back. The World Cup is back. I love being back. back. I love being back. I love it when a plan comes together, okay? There are certain times when you have a plan when you know deep down you don't have the goods. Uh, <laughs> it's not that you're, you're flying by the seat of your jibs. And that, <laughs> you're jibbing by the hairs of your pants. <laughs> and that is what's happening in Qatar right now. I don't love that. I do love when a plan comes together as planned and you just, you know, you got the goods. Uh, I, I very much appreciate, um, you know, a little, a little Vaseline. Don't, <laughs> don't eat a teaspoon of Vaseline. That's actually not a great thing to do for you uh, in, in spite of, in spite of some, some publicity stunts. But uh, it's, it's the season. So, so grease up those lips and <laughs> don't be all dry, dog. Uh, and last but not least, I love a scented candle. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. It gets more and more difficult to crack those windows open as as the cold settles in. So, if you if you, if you want to have a nice ambiance and a great scent, you're gonna have to do it with a candle because your body's not gonna help you out. All right. But I don't love any of that stuff. Not even close. As much as I absolutely love the Nats. Let's go, boys. We're back. <laughs> It's we the peeps. It's we the peeps. Welcome to we the peeps. Are you ready for we the peeps? Holy moly, it's we the peeps. So we are here with Amobi uh, Aku, uh, Okugo. Yes, sir. Legend. Uh, who is so kind enough to join us. As I mentioned at the uh, at the opening of the show, Amobi is very important to us uh, in terms of just being a wonderful member of the We The Peeps community, has been a guest on the show before, and we are so happy uh, to have him back. Welcome back, Amobi. No, thank you for having me. Uh, apologies uh, with the background. I've, I've been, uh, been sick the past 24 <laughs> hours. I'm not sure if it's nerves because of the game today or what, but... Amobi's playing hurt. <laughs> <laughs> If a well, we got show, uh, up, show must go on. If a Moby can show up at ninety percent, I think Gio Reyna probably could have done something today. But, Great uh, right we, there. We had a chance to kind of talk about it. We're we're disappointed, but ultimately optimistic about how things can go in the group. Um, what were you? What are your first impressions coming off of this uh, game versus Wales? Yeah, uh, first one. It's been a long time. You know, eight years without uh, anything. You know, so shout out to the fans that stayed true. Uh, obviously, came out the gates flying, uh, got a good goal. And then Wales, credit to them, they made some adjustments. Um, and I think, you know, I, the, the the nerves showed a little bit. The experience showed a little bit. And then, um, you know, ended up getting the tie. But for all in all, first game out, uh, you know, you got a point. Can't be too – can't be too – uh, sad about that. Talk to us from the player perspective. So, um, so, so awesome that you have played this game at a professional level. Uh, some, something that we can only hope and dream of. <laughs> the, the, Still got a chance. That, that, <laughs> what is it like to come off the field uh, when in a game where you felt it felt to the fans like you could have taken this one home and it looked like the players felt that way too. Um, what's it like to get a draw that feels like a loss? Yeah, that's a great point. You know, depending on how you look at it, Wales can be like the same way. You know, I think it was a tale of two halves. First half, 
when you have your, you know, your foot on the neck, you definitely want to, you know, um, you, you want to capitalize, obviously got the first goal, but um, if you can get the second goal, get you some breathing room, that would have been, uh, that would have been really nice. Uh, but Wales definitely made some adjustments that second half. And while we did have some moments the Wales, you know, had a couple of good chances as well. So at the end of the day, everything's in perspective, everything's in hindsight. I think us will be happy with the draw and because they still have control of their destiny, obviously England, they came off to a flying start, but we match up well against England. And then I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to come down to goal differential versus Iran. Um, and I think, with the talent that we have, there's there's no excuse for us not to take care of business and uh, qualify to the next round. What? How do you explain how some teams come out of the gate flying like that and some teams come out flat? What What's the difference? Uh, that's that's a great that's a great point. Great question. I think for me personally, it's all about the game preparation. So Burhalter and the, the the and the boys just had a game great game plan. I think it helped. Obviously, Wales didn't start more, which was a big difference in the yeah. second half. Yeah, that's um, um, But from the standpoint of like, you know, everyone off to a flying start, Tyler, Tyler Adams leading the way, Ream in the back, Pulisic getting in and out. I think over the course of the game, those fouls added up on Pulisic, started yeah. starting filling those knocks. But coming out the game, they, they had a great, great game plan. They had a great you know, mentality to start. And then as the game went on, you know, tired legs, McKinney had to come off. Those subs definitely didn't keep the level um, as high and no disrespect to the subs. It's just that's usually how it goes. Um, And then kind of go from there. Yeah. You must have uh, played Ream a couple of times. Yeah, we played him a couple of times, you know, back in my day. Uh, He's always been a a top player, but for him to keep it at this level for so long, it's just a a testament (laughs) to him as a player. It's amazing. Anyone who's ever played soccer – in America has played Tim Reed. Those <laughs> back generations. Yeah. Him and George Washington used to play pickup, I think, back in the day. <laughs> he's not a he's on some of our money. It's only the money that you don't uh, maybe not some of our money. You usually don't use it, but yeah. But yeah, it's a testament to his 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 playing. Uh, if you look at the draft class, I think 2010, uh only one from that draft class in the in a World Cup from the US yes, standpoint. Yes, and yes. Um, you know, he's played at a high level, both in MLS and overseas. And uh, he doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. He really doesn't. He, he's and the he's, best he's ever been. He's, yeah, he's, he's been. peaking right yeah. now. It's incredible. And he pinged a bunch of really nice passes, yes, outlet yes. passes, which was necessary in this game because uh, Wales was playing so tight between defense and their strikers. You know, it was a really, yeah. it was really compact in there um, and they were forcing everything out wide. So that Tim Ream ball, you know what I mean? Out, out on an angle with some nice loft to it was very helpful on yes. a number of occasions. Yes, absolutely. Most definitely. Yeah, because yeah, Wales was packing the midfield, I felt, in the first half and trying to just take um, take McKenney and Musa out of it. Yeah, and that's what they, they gave us the wings. And we, you know, I felt like we could have exploited it more. Like there were there were so many moments where I felt in transition, we could have just found a pass, you know, half a second earlier and sprung somebody and they just couldn't quite get it together but i felt like they they had all the pressure that they needed to make chances they just didn't quite connect at the at the very end yeah yeah i think you're exactly right the way wales plays they're more counter-attacking so you know us were usually the underdogs where um we're the ones 
mostly yeah, not it. having possession. But in this case, we were on the front foot. And it, you know, not to say that U.S. wasn't prepared, but it is kind of confusing when you're so used to on the world stage playing, yeah. you know, on, on your heels uh, to have the front foot. Um, but Wales, like, they're comfortable playing defense and countering attack with, you know, uh, Ramsey and Bale and, you know, Joe Allen when he's in the midfield. So um, I thought we handled it pretty well. And, you know, unfortunately we couldn't get the win, but at least we didn't lose. <laughs> yeah. Everything to play for. That is everything wide, to play for. Friday is so big. Open, wide open. It is it's huge. So exciting. And we have time to grow into it. Last question about the USMNT before we talk a little bit about, okay, you go. Um, the, you let's say you're in the training camp room wakes up tomorrow morning shows up to work what do you have to say to the boys before training starts i would say first and foremost congrats because i think it was a lot of their everyone's first world cup outside of yedlin so congrats you got the first game out the way now y'all know what it feels like now we're here for business not like we weren't here for business before but all those questions about what it's like how does it feel out the window, we focus on getting three points against England, and that controls our destiny. Obviously, England, you know, they played Iran first game, but we match up well against them. And if we if we win this, we give ourselves we give ourselves a, a good chance to qualify to the next round, which is our first goal. Uh, I know Berhalter has said it before. It's like the World Cup is two tournaments. You know, you got the group play group stage, and then once you get out of there, that's a whole new tournament. So focus on our first tournament first. And then take care of business once that once that second tournament comes comes. I love it. Go for the dub. You got to get the dub against England. I do like that perspective. I think from off the field, it's hard to imagine saying that to this group of players. Yeah, looking at the names on the England team, but I think from inside, you have to be like that. You you have to yeah. believe, like 100%. you know. Yeah, um, but who, like you know, Geo and Bellingham play together, and yeah, and Christian and Mason Mount, and like all those guys, they they're right at the same level. So there's no, there should be no uh, sense of inferiority that this U S team can't match up against them. It's just, um, you know, obviously we're the underdogs, but I think there's every reason to believe we could get a result out of that. Yes. Yeah. Every reason to believe that uh, England is about to get psychologically soft because of how. <laughs> <that was. laughs> and somehow they gave up too against Iran, which should go, Iran. Which, not good. which should be noted. I mean, that, that is not a good sign. So not good. The U.S. can find gaps for sure. Exactly. All right, Moby, we have um, officially announced to the peeps at the beginning of this episode that we are indeed dedicating any uh, We the Peeps resources out there towards the foundation. Okay, you go. Um, it has been a while since we had you on the show, and I wanted to give you a chance first to just remind the people about what this foundation is and, and to tell them a little bit about the work that you're doing. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for all that you all have done and uh, giving myself space to share more. That uh, really means a lot. Uh, so the OK You Go Foundation is a foundation. We started it in 2019. Um, essentially, our mantra is excellence through exposure. So we want to provide resources. Uh, for kids in underserved communities um, through soccer, financial literacy, and social programs um, so that they can ultimately be self-sufficient. So they can understand, um, have roadmaps on understanding what it's like um, to be successful, not only just through sports, but through the pathways that we hopefully show showcase through them um, with our after-school program, with some of our soccer clinics, and some of our financial literacy workshops. So 
that's essentially what it's at, uh, about at the end of the day in terms of things that we've already done. We've done um, soccer summer youth series. We've done Sacktown Youth Nights um, as a way to keep, keep kids off the streets. Um, we've done different financial workshops, but our big pillar that we're hoping to launch um, next year is our after-school program. So hopefully um, if everything comes into uh, fruition, we'll be able to service that to some of the local school districts in the Sacramento County. And um, that will be hopefully our big game changer, our big imprint of impact uh, with what we're trying to do with the OKU Go Foundation. Is, is getting those school partnerships, is that the... Yeah, so fortunately for us, we have the school partnerships. Um, so now it's all about building out the curriculum and securing the funding, whether it's through in-kind donations, uh, partnerships, sponsorships, uh, different things like that. That's where you come in, peeps. Give now. Go to okugofoundation.com. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, so okugofoundation.org. Uh, uh, thank you. And then if you need any information or just need to you know, get more um, information, on a personal level, don't hesitate to reach out. You know, we have a deck, we have assets that we can share. Um, you know, we have uh, testimonials that you could talk to other folks if you want to get um, a second opinion. You know, we, we make sure we try to cross our T's and dot our I's. Yeah, man, it's so important, and you're 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 ready to blow up like Gio Reyna on the bench. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny though as. Burhalter and Claudia Reyna are like best friends. Yes. What the so it's like, yeah. hey, yo, my, son, my son said he's good to go. Play my son. <laughs> um, it's one thing I've noticed. Well, one thing I love about the work that you're doing is that the, the, the financial literacy is so important for kids. And you're not the only organization, you know, working on financial literacy. And I think it's free to play uh, training for kids in soccer is so important. And you're not the only organization working on that, but to come from both sides and to bring those together, I think is really important, especially when I think about the actual teenagers I'm aware of trying to get them to buy in to a, yes, to a yes. financial literacy program is very difficult, but trying to get kids, but getting kids out to the park to play soccer for free. Now, now we're, now we've got a crowd, right? So I think it's really brilliant to bring education together uh, with athletics because you have that hook and you really can help kids with soccer, but then you're also giving them tools um, just in case soccer doesn't work out, you know, which it usually doesn't. No, yeah, you're exactly right. You know, one thing I tell, uh, you know, every parent that asks me like, how can my kid ultimately go pro? And I say, you know, whether or not your kid goes pro in soccer or basketball, you're going to be pro in life. So it's understanding the skills and principles that sports teaches them so that they can be, you know, sufficient when they go pro in life and have to take care of their own family, pay their own bills and different things like that. There's so many skills that soccer uh, and specifically, but sports um, teaches you as a young child. Um, so hopefully we can use soccer and obviously, you know, we can go on a whole tangent about pay to play, um, but we're going to try to break down those barriers by making it free. And then in doing so, teach other principles, whether it's financial literacy, whether it's, you know, personal development, career development, whether it's, you know, everyone wants to be an athlete, but there's ways you can be a professional, you know, whether it's us doing content, whether it's, you know, being an agent, a manager, a coach, a GM, um, uh, a health specialist, a, a accountant, strictly for athletes. There's so many ways to stay involved in the sport of soccer or basketball or football, but we're solely focused on becoming a pro. And while, yeah, that is the pinnacle, depending on how you look at it, 
that's going to end. Those other things that I mentioned, you can do it for as long as you live. Yes. So hopefully uh, we, we try to, you know, stress that not to discourage anyone from saying you're not going to go pro because the chances are so slim, but we just want to expand the horizons around uh, sport. Amazing stuff. We're happy to be a part of it. Thank you, Amobi. No, most definitely. Um, sorry, last, uh, I'm still curious a little bit more about, isn't it amazing how many kids want to come out to play soccer for free? Yeah, it's, 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 it's always interesting. When, yeah, it's always interesting it's so when, you, when you put a, when you put a paywall behind things and then when yes, you, yes, yes. you take that down that paywall, the amount of registers that we get. So even like, for example, this summer, we did a, a free summer soccer series. So once a week for the, over the course of eight weeks, we had a free clinic every Wednesday. Um, and to see the kids that started that had no, no, no experience in soccer, but by the end of the eight weeks, we're signing up for the youth soccer teams. That's what it's all about. You know, whether it's we're getting one person, two people, we eventually, we ended up getting like six people that had no experience playing soccer, sign up for like the local clubs in their areas. Um, you know, I'm not saying we're, you know, changing the demographic of 2026 <laughs> World Cup, but if we but can help I one am. person. <laughs> yeah. You just might. You just <laughs> might. You never yeah. know. I think I mean, you will. I think you will, folks. Pay attention for alumni graduates of OKU Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 2030 World Cup run. Um, thank you so, so much for being with us, Amobi. We appreciate nah, it. Thank you all. It's really, it's really amazing. And I appreciate you all for uh, giving me the space. Yeah, so we're going to be shouting out the foundation throughout the tournament and trying to direct any attention we can over to you. And we're going to keep in touch and uh, we'll we'll have you on again and uh, keep uh, keep keep chatting about this incredible tournament and yep. and what we can do to be of service to you. Yep. Rest up. You're not going to get the golden boot on this pod run, but we still think you can come in near the finals and make an impact. Perfect. Yeah, um, predictions for Friday. What y'all got? I think England is going to win that game, to be honest. It's really, I just, I have to say, but I think the U.S. is going to uh, give an appearance that makes the world uh, take notice. Okay, I like that. Three, two, Nets. Let's go. Chaos. Yeah. Just, it's a couple, a couple Harry Maguire mistakes away from, from uh, <laughs> Nats victory. <laughs> Moby, who you got? Yeah, I hate to say it. I don't want to say it, but their front six, yeah. Yeah, backed up by the other front six. Yeah. It's rough, dude. It's rough. But we'll see. We'll see. Hey, man, anything is possible. Yeah. Yeah, I I like a – I'll ratchet down my prediction and just say 2-2. 2-2, crazy, wide-open game. Nats find a way. Anthony Robinson. We can see it. Yeah, Anthony Robinson double. It's going to be amazing. I mean, if you look at the game today, we didn't really create that many chances. One shot on goal. It's hard. And the other thing is that the nine, the lack of a nine is an issue. I mean, we're, yeah. it's, we all, it's not, no, but if, we're not if, breaking any if, news. If, 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 uh, if that sergeant header is two inches to the right, the whole narrative about the whole game is different. So I got to say that. Sergeant, yeah. he did find a seam and it doesn't show us a shot on goal, but that was a legit chance. That was, yeah, it was a legit chance. The reason right. it doesn't show as a shot on goal is because Josh Sargent missed the goal. <laughs> that's, that's why. 
Fair. We have a problem fair. At the number nine spot. Fair. Fair. We do. We do. Yeah.